0: Is Kyle Trask the front runner for the Heisman Trophy after his performance against Arkansas? And what is his NFL future? Clemson visits Florida State, but they've got some quarterback troubles of their own as Chubba Purdy is out. And can Indiana upset Ohio State? We'll talk about Tom Allen and the Hoosiers and all the Tampa Bay ties with Matt Baker, our college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick, Hey, folks, have you checked out Brightling Boutique and International Plaza Mall? They're only one of 15 in the United States, and we're lucky to have one right here in Tampa Bay. You've got to go see these gorgeous Swiss timepieces. There's the Chronomet Bentley, it's a beautiful stainless steel with a green face, one of my favorites. And in April, they launched the Super Ocean Heritage, the 57 limited edition. They have welcomed championship quarterbacks and Hall of Famers and championship boxers as clients, but you know what? They treat everyone the same, and they will treat you like a champion too when you walk in just tell them uh rick and steve sent you and get this you will get a free 60 dollar breitling cap just by trying on one of those watches but i gotta warn you probably walk out with the watch too because they're so beautiful go see our friends at breitling boutique in international plaza All right, Matt Baker joins us now, and uh, Matt, we'll get to the uh, slate of interesting games that we have this week in college football. First, I want to go back to last Saturday. We talked all about it, Florida at Arkansas, Felipe Franks coming back to the Swamp, and Kyle Trask continued to put on a show, Uh, just an unbelievable performance by the Gators who just roll Arkansas. So tell me what you saw in that one, and uh, we'll also talk about the reaction that Franks did get from the Gator fans.
1: Yeah, so I, I saw this Florida offense that's just continuing to play at an extremely high level. I mean, Kyle Trask had six touchdown passes and six incompletions. Uh, one of those incompletions was a throwaway, and at least one of them was a drop. So you put that into context, I mean, they just continue to click. It's it's not all a lot of flashy stuff. There's not a ton of super explosive plays and 80 yards throws downfield or anything like that, but they're just extremely efficient and they're playing at a high level. I, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I their, their defense I thought played better, but I still have some concerns about them. And again, at some point they're going to have to get that short up, or maybe they're, the plan to uh, beat a Bama or whoever that might be later down the line is just get into a shootout and hope the defense makes one or two stops and your offense can keep going from there. But um, you know, I saw this Gators team that continues to be one of the top – couple in the country with an offense that's as good as anybody.
0: Yeah, and and listen, I mean, I think scoring points is the way it's going to go this year in college football, maybe in all of football. So you're right, one or two stops might be enough. Um, let me ask you about Trask because, I mean, he continues to pile up numbers like we've seen with Joe Burrow basically uh, a year ago. Is he the Heisman Trophy favorite? And when you watch him play, I mean, it seems like he just hits the open guy or makes the perfect throw. Game manager does that fit him, or is he just playmaker?
1: I, game manager f- fits him, and, and let's let's pause right here. Um, game manager in this context d- don't use a negative connotation with it. Get get that out of your head for, for the purposes of this discussion. Um, and I say that because it seems like after every game, uh, when Kyle Trask has his other you know five six touchdowns, whatever it is, Dan Mullen always says Trask did a good job of taking what the defense gave us, managing the game. You know that sort of thing. So I finally started asking, like, is that hard to do? What What What, is, what do you guys mean by that? And it, it's playing within the offense where they're not. You know, look, look at this, this team that he has around him. Right, um, the Gators running backs are pretty good at catching the ball. Um, Kyle Pitts, when he's healthy, best best tight end in the country. A bunch of NFL skill talent at at, at receiver. He doesn't have to force throws downfield and go out and try to win the game by himself and be a hero. The best thing that he can do is to throw a 12-yard out or whatever it is, find Justin Shorter over the middle, throw a jump ball um, to, to Trey Grimes, and, and let those guys do the rest because the skill talent around him is just about as good as anybody in the country. So w- when we say game manager, that's what we're talking about here is being smart enough to know where to throw the ball, um, what plays to, to to check down to. Um, sometimes i will go at the, at the line and kind of do some, Pretend like he's audibbling and not even do that. That's the type of stuff we're talking about, uh, and even smaller things too. Like with the Arkansas, when the Arkansas linebackers was saying after the game, he did a great job of moving people with his eyes. So those are the type of things that that show up with Kyle Trask and make him, you know, what I called him the other day, was a, a game managing star, um, where he doesn't move like like Lamar Jackson. He doesn't, you know, he's not chucking it downfield like like uh, Joe Burrow did last year. But he's putting up numbers that are. I mean, statistically, through through what is it, six games, as good as anybody in, in college football has pretty much ever done. And you know, as far as the Heisman front runner, again, he's definitely in that conversation. I I, I don't know that there is a front runner, just because it's all so different. I mean, we're trying to compare uh, Justin Fields, who has eleven touchdown passes and eleven incompletions, to Kyle Trask, who's played twice as many games. So. I don't know that there's a front runner yet. To me, there's a handful of guys who have put themselves in the conversation, and we'll kind of see what happens the rest of the season. And Kyle Trask is very firmly in that group.
0: And I mean, I would suppose that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but COVID and and cancellation of games might might play a factor in this when people get to the end of the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if I'm you know when I'm a voter, when I'm going to look down at, at, at my ballot at the end of it. I'm going to have to put take into account how many games they played because it's harder to put up video game numbers for ten, eleven, twelve games, whatever, than it is for five. Um, I don't know how I'm going to balance that at the end. I, I don't know what the calculus is. Um but that's certainly something that I'm that I, I think voters, including myself, are gonna have to consider for sure.
0: Absolutely. And and, and with respect to Trask, I think you're right. You know, quarterbacking is, is decision-making. And when you have a guy that always makes the right decision and can make the throws, all the throws, that's what you want. I mean, I, I, and, and when we do say game manager, I think people do get that that feeling that, you know, he's sort of a paint-by-the-numbers guy. Um, but with as much talent as is has assembled around him, who wouldn't want to do that? So I, I've been impressed with the way Trask has played. And I think he has a chance to play at the next level simply because he's so smart. You know, he knows the game so well. Do you do you view him as a what what again? Well, you're not a
1: scout. Do you view him as a first round guy? Is he a mid round guy? Do you what do you?
0: Think I don't know is? that he's going to be a first round guy. I mean, unfortunately, you know what's happened in, in in the NFL game is sort of what's happened in college football. It came from the high schools, right, with the spread option, the movement of the mm-hmm. quarterbacks, and there was a time when everybody was looking for that guy that would stay in the pocket, win from the pocket. Um, had to be six three, you know, two hundred and so many pounds, his hand size, all of that, and they still love the measurables. Don't get me wrong, but when you have you know the sort of players that we see around the NFL, um, you know, with uh, you know the the Murrays and and you know just all these guys coming out that that aren't maybe prototypical NFL size, but have other abilities to go with it. Lamar Jackson, I don't think the NFL is as pigeonholed as it used to be, and in fact. They may be looking for Kyler Murray. You know, they may be looking for guys that can do some stuff with their feet as well as their arm. I don't know that Trask, when he works out, is going to stun anybody with his arm strength. I don't know that he's going to wow them with his athleticism, but he's a hell of a smart quarterback, and, you know, it's a quarterback league, and people always need it. So it's sort of, you know, how many go in front of them, and it'll be a pretty good draft class, I'm sure. But uh, but I don't know that he's a first-round pick. I mean, and I haven't – again, I don't look at the draft until we get closer to it. I'm not one of those guys. Sure. But I'm just curious. Uh, I wouldn't mind having him on my team because I think, you know, at minimum, if he's not going to be your starter, he could certainly play a long time, you know, being a very valuable backup or uh, maybe a guy that can develop into a starter. So there will be some teams that are interested, especially when you're playing on the highest level, and that's what he's done. He's done a great job. So Florida. So, so now, wait, wait a second. You're,
1: you're saying he is a guy that could be a backup to start and develop into a starter, maybe even a starter that plays at a high level. That seems I think so. very familiar. Um, <laughs> Would that no, be? <laughs> I, I, th- I think you're. I think you're exactly right. I mean, just the, the tools wise. Again, we're 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 nitpicking here because uh, at the college level, what he's doing right now is is fantastic. It's sure. And um, again, it's, it's stuff that that people haven't done a lot before. Um, but the mobility, he 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 can move, but he is not Kyler Murray, he is not Lamar Jackson, he's not I don't think Aaron Rodgers. Um, right. And, and the arm strength, he's he's more uh, he, he's more Gardner Minshew than he is Pat Mahomes. Um, that doesn't right. mean he's a he's, he's he's has a noodle arm. It doesn't mean he's a bum or anything like that. But yeah. when t- teams are going to be looking at him over the next few months, those are the things they're going to be looking at and why sure. they're going to value it. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, I think Zach Wilson Absolutely. from BYU. Those type of guys over him but to me he's probably in that next tier that yeah. you know quarterbacks five through eight something like that
0: i think you're dead on and you know <clears throat> the reason why the arm strength and things like that matter i think he has functional mobility in the pocket he's not going to make plays when things break down but um as far as arm strength you know the windows get tighter let's face it you, you don't see very yep. many open wide receivers what is considered open in the nfl might be the length or uh, of a hand or half an arm. You know, um, guys don't really get tons of separation, and so you have to be able to really throw that ball in there hard. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch to see, you know, sort of where, where he winds up. Where he's going to wind up uh, this weekend is at Vanderbilt. I feel sorry for the Commodores. I think they're like a 30-point underdog or thereabouts. Um, this is a, a pretty easy game for the Gators, wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, I have nothing interesting to say about this game um, <laughs> other than is, is Trask going to throw seven touchdowns? Are right. you going to throw seven touchdowns in the first half? Before um, they take them
0: out, right? Take them out and preserve yeah. them. Yeah,
1: yeah that's, that's, those are the only questions I have. I, I can't see this one. I mean, you know, Mullen was saying the other day that, that they do have to take them seriously. Vanderbilt's gotten better. A couple years ago, they went up there and, and struggled for the first half before it kind of turned it on. And if this Gators team is, is as good as, as we all think they are, then they should handle Vanderbilt. No problem. And like I said, the only drama is whether Kyle Trask breaks the school record for touchdown passes in the game.
0: And for the betters at the University of Florida, whether they cover the spread, which I'm sure Dan Mullen will be very aware of. Steve Soraya is still the best of all time to do that. Um Pretty good game. Uh, I don't know if it's a good game, but it, let's face it: when the number four Clemson Tigers come to your place, everybody notices. And Clemson will be at Florida State. This is probably not a good thing for Florida State, especially since uh, their quarterback uh, Purdy, you know, is 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 out. Um, so you can talk about that, but also, I guess you know, it's on the schedule. Unfortunately, they get Lawrence at quarterback at Clemson, and I don't think it would have mattered necessarily, but. That's that's sort of the headline in this game, I guess.
1: And, and coming up, Clemson's coming off an open date. I mean, this is <laughs> if, if Florida State didn't have bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck at all. I mean, <laughs> y- you have to feel you have to feel bad for Even Gators, Canes fans have to feel bad for everything they're going through right now. They have been. There's been so many injuries. Um, you know, Ch- Chubba Purdy uh, being the, the the most recent, most notable one. Uh, he uh, broke his collarbone. In the preseason, had surgery to fix it. Came back, made his first start the other day against NC State. Was pretty good, all things considered. Um, Two touchdown passes, 54 rushing yards. A a fine first start. Maybe you think, okay, this is the quarterback of the future. Maybe the Knowles have something here. And then has to have surgery again on the collarbone. Because some of the the hardware in there was kind of bugging him. And it, it needed to be shut down. So... It's, that's just another, another brick in the wall for FSU season and really their, their last couple of seasons. Um, I'm going to be at the Florida State-Clemson game. It will not be the best Florida State-Clemson game I have ever seen. I feel pretty confident in saying that. But I, I am curious to see, what are the pieces here, right? Like, this is a loss season for FSU. It, it, it is. They are not going to be the Florida State that they're supposed to be, um, given all the injuries and defections and, and the pandemic and everything else. This isn't a good time to really judge what Mike Norvell can do, but it is a, a real-life college football game against a, a very good team that eventually FSU is supposed to contend with the way they did you know, in fourteen fifteen 15 that, t- that time. I want to see what pieces there are and what progress is being made that will make me think that this program can get over that hump. Again, not this year, probably not next year, but in the near future, this program, this team can get back to that Clemson level. So that's kind of the way I'm viewing the, the game that I'll be at on Saturday. And also I'm viewing the last couple of games of the season for the Noles.
0: Yeah. A tough year for the Noles for sure. And, and they're going to have to continue to, to build up their recruiting base and all of that. I think the the biggest work will be done uh, probably in the off season. If Mike Norvell is going to get that thing turned around um, some great national games, I think of interest, Matt and uh, you know, we wouldn't normally would never say this and look, maybe by the end of Saturday, we'll never say it again, but Number nine, Indiana, is at Ohio State, which looks for all the world like one of the best, if not the best team in college football with the short sample size we've had. Uh, You know, I've I've listened, and and it sounds like Indiana is not going in there uh, thinking anything other than they can win, and who's going to doubt them at this point? But they've never had success, and very few teams do against Ohio State. This this one, even though on paper maybe it looks okay, it's going to be a tough day for an Indiana, I would imagine.
1: It is. You, you think this is probably where the the wheels come off? Um, but but here's the thing. We, we we've talked all about the the Tampa connections here and, and all the all the Tampa ties that this this Hoosiers team has. The biggest one, and the most important one, is Tom Allen, the Indiana head yeah. coach. I, I've got a story coming up here in the next couple of days. Um, on how he started his career at at Temple Heights Christian, which is a now defunct school in Temple Terrace. Um, Mm. There's a lot of similarities between him now and him then. I mean, he he got the job at at Indiana after Kevin Wilson, was was shown the door, and he was able to do enough to get the, you know, to become the the head coach. And, you know, he took the Temple Heights head coaching job. He was an assistant at the time. The head coach resigned during the season. Um, Tom Allen on a Thursday becomes the head coach hey, by, oh, by the way, your first game is tomorrow against Admiral Farragut. Um, and darn it if he doesn't go out and win the thing and then win the next one. And then in his first season as the, the full-time head coach at, at Temple Heights, he had this whole thing about dare to believe because this was a an Eagles program that hadn't been to the playoffs, I think it was, in, in 18 years. They hadn't done this in a long time. And wouldn't you know it, this guy, this 24-year-old Tom Allen, Gets his team to the playoffs for the first time in eighteen years because he got everybody buying in and believing. And the way I'm looking at this Indiana team, no, do, do I think they're going to be Ohio State? No, I do not. But there's a lot of similarities between what he did, what he's doing now, and what he did mm-hmm. in 1993, 1994 at, at Temple Heights. So the people who knew him back then are not surprised at all that he's doing this. Um, I do know that the the Hoosiers absolutely believe they can do it, and even if they can't, again, I, I don't think they're going to. Let's not ignore the fact that they're still a good team maybe a very good team even you know they, they are not a not number nine team in the country on a fluke they are a legitimate team and I think they're going to be a top 20 team for as probably as long as Tom Allen is there and that is not something that I have not said about the Hoosiers in my lifetime and again I grew up 45 minutes from there I know the Indiana football program because I know how irrelevant it was because nobody talked about it nobody cared and the fact is they are relevant and good and it's because largely of Tom Allen.
0: And Tom Allen, on an interview, I heard him talk about how everyone's surprised except them. They saw this exactly. coming though, the last couple of years and, and, and they thought they would be here. They are here. Now the question is, how long will Tom Allen be there <laughs> in Indiana? Because, you know, there's probably a few maybe even larger profile programs that are looking at him saying, hmm, wonder if he can do that for us.
1: Hey, Rick, can you think of any uh, programs in the Big Ten with a uh, with a higher profile than Indiana, more money than <laughs> Indiana, more traditional success than Indiana that might have a coach on his way out? And yeah, they, Steve, uh, can you can you think of anybody that that fits that mold?
0: Penn State. <laughs> uh,
1: that, see, that's a good guess. But here's the thing: Penn State just gave James Franklin and an extension and a raise and all that stuff, and he, you know he's. He's won at a high level. Been to a Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Uh, the bad year was a Citrus Bowl. So I think he has enough uh, built-up uh, stock where it's not him. I, I, Are I, you I saying Ryan
0: Day's going to him. the pros?
1: No, I don't think it's Ryan Day. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a school up north from there, though.
0: And It's not <laughs> Michigan State. I was gonna say they just got a new coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Harbaugh. I, I, I'm not plugged into to to Michigan, but. The consensus in the college football world is that the Harbaugh, it, it's done. It, it's is it over? Of, yeah. It's a matter of time. Um, what They have been lifeless. I mean, it's one thing to, to lose to Wisconsin. It's another thing to get blown out by Wisconsin. Um, it's one thing to, to lose an occasional game against Indiana. It's another thing to, to not look great against them and on and on. And you know, we've talked about it every week. But the consensus seems to be that that that's that's coming. It's just a matter of time, and then it's a matter of who 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 is the next one at, at Michigan, and whether they can really get back to to where they expect to be.
0: Does Harbaugh get fired, or do they have a mutual agreement to separate? In other words, I suppose, well, I would imagine there might be an NFL team or two that would still be interested in Jim Harbaugh, since that's the last place he had success was in the National Football League. So, how do you think it ends if it if it does, in fact, end?
1: I, I think it's I think it might be a mutual thing because they you would think Michigan means enough to Harbaugh to where he could say look this isn't working yeah. and say Let, let's just go our separate ways because Michigan would be stupid to barring a miraculous turnaround here this season Michigan would be stupid to extend him he only has 1 year left you can't sure. have a major head coach go into a a final recruit. year on his contract that you you can't do that yeah. you can't recruit yeah. that's that's not sustainable So maybe there's a a mutual thing they can come to terms with and say, you know what, let's get out. Well, let's just go our separate ways. And you'd hope that's what happens, but this is a business and and Harbaugh doesn't have, you know, he's his own agent, his own representation. So there's, it's just, he's a different cat. So I don't know what will happen, but I think at this point, the writing looks like it's on the wall.
0: And Matt, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it looks like, you know, to me, Players aside, I don't know why he couldn't recruit. I know he did get some players. It just seems to me like offensively they never got to where college football is, right? No. And then and then defensively they they put guys in some bad positions, playing man coverage all over the field, and they got beat. But they just never really had the sort of explosiveness you have to have in college football on the offensive side of the ball.
1: I, I think you're exactly right. The the offensive system, for one reason or another, hasn't clicked at a high enough level. I don't know how much of it is Harbaugh being stubborn. I don't know how much of it is the assistance he's brought in. And when he brought in Josh Gaddis, that was a pretty well-respected move across the coaching community yeah. and it, it hasn't worked. Yeah. Um, you know, when when the obituaries are written on Michigan under Harbaugh, whenever that happens, he didn't develop a great quarterback. I mean, yeah, we, you know, Milton has played well at times for sure. And there were times when Shea Patterson did as well. But he he's been there long enough to have recruited guys that would have become good quarterbacks. And mostly he did it through transfers and didn't have a lot of wow guys. And this is, I mean, Mm -hmm. again, this is Jim Harbaugh, who was a very successful in my eyes, uh, NFL quarterback. I remember him uh, quarterbacking my hometown, Indianapolis Colts to levels they hadn't been to in a long time. Um, Developed Colin Kaepernick, um, Andrew Luck at Stanford. I mean, he, he did, he did stuff. And, And, and then for them to have not, developed a wow quarterback is is pretty stunning. And that's going to be one of the major reasons if this ends, why?
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
0: In my house and perhaps in yours, Wisconsin, number 10 in the nation is at number 19 Northwestern. Good year for the Wildcats for sure. This is a big uh, Big Ten West matchup. Um, Who do you like in this game?
1: I like Wisconsin because both of their defenses are really good. Um, Northwestern's defense is one of the better ones in the country. I think last week was the first time they had given up a point in the second half. Um, But Wisconsin's offense is is better than Northwestern's. Um, I I think the Wildcats have a chance to kind of muddy it up and make it a, a, you know, a typical traditional Big Ten slop fest, slug fest kind of thing. But, you know, Wisconsin's got more firepower on offense, a little bit ahead there, and top to bottom more talent so I, I like wisconsin there but i do think it's it's a close one and you know I, I do think northwestern deserves credit for this is the first time since 1996 they have started 4-0 in the big 10 so a uh, big thing uh big uh, start there for Fitz.
0: it's been overlooked a little bit but yeah it's been a great start i don't the other thing i don't understand is why hasn't jim leonard gotten a job in college football as a head coach yet or maybe teams have come after him but he just hasn't left
1: yeah, it could be that um, he's in a very good position. Uh, defensive minds are—I don't know what the long-term future is for defensive guys right. wanting to become head coaches. Hey, um, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at the the big news guess over the weekend where, where Will Muschamp was out at South Carolina. Right, it's—he's he, just one of the latest. I mean, he's a very good defensive coach. So I don't think anybody questions that, but he couldn't right. cut it as a head coach. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder how many more defensive guys are going to get those type of opportunities um, just because the track record aside from Staben and Kirby is not great. This is a, a an offensive game right now. The, yeah. the rules are set to benefit the offense and you know, so uh, maybe that's, that's part of it as well.
0: It's a great point. Um, I'll be, uh, I know Steve will be watching this game closely. Number seven, Cincinnati, who is still got hopes to uh, be a final four team Uh, is at UCF. Not a a great year for the Knights uh, that they've been accustomed to the last few, but, uh, you know, hey, they're in the bounce house, so we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and and that's a a great strength-on-strength matchup. Cincinnati's defense is legit. I mean, they are statistically, and I think if you watch them play, one of the best defenses in the country. Not one of the best in the G5, one of the best defenses in the country and UCF mm-hmm. offense I mean they are extremely explosive and they are playing at you know about as high a level as UCF offense has ever played and that's obviously very very high praise so um, and the big difference there Cincinnati also has a great quarterback and Desmond Ritter who's been doing very good things offensively for them so I, I like Cincinnati but that UCF offense Cincinnati defense is going to be a really interesting game within the game.
0: Fascinating game and then the Battle of Oklahoma of course Oklahoma State and Oklahoma both these teams are similarly matched I think uh, but the game is in Norman so
1: the, the game is, is in Norman and uh, you know <laughs> Bedlam does usually live up to its hype I've, I've, <laughs> I covered a, a bedlam or two when I was out there. It is often crazy um, but the, this I mean the two stats that matter. Oklahoma State's defense is is very strong. Um, Oklahoma's offense, particularly passing, is very strong. So again, that's another strength on strength that will decide the game. But here's the thing: Mike Gundy, as a head coach, is three and thirteen against the Sooners. Mm. I, I don't know that. I, I don't know that I trust him enough for that number to change. Um, you know, again, Oklahoma State's a good team, and maybe they can, but I, I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence there.
0: Very interesting. Well, there's a bunch of postponements. I'll let you out on this one, Matt. We talk about it every week, um, but uh-huh. a bunch of games are postponed, including Navy at USF, Old Miss at Texas A&M, Georgia Tech at Miami. These all would have been interesting games, to say the least. But at some point, at some level, um, where are we headed? We see the cases up around the country. The NFL is certainly, you know, struggling with it, but it has a little more control and testing. Do you think we get through a college football season at this point?
1: I do. I don't know what it looks like, and I don't. I mean, I I think it will end in a playoff. I, right. I really do. I think there's enough enough will in the community and with the, the the games and the organizers and all that stuff. And there's so much money at stake. It, I think it will end in a playoff. Sure. I, I'm under the assumption it will. You know, was it January 1st uh, semis, and then the um, title game on the 11th in Miami? I think those will happen as scheduled. But I do not know. Um, I mean, there, there's so many unknowns. I mean, we're, we're at a point now where there are games that are not going to be rescheduled. It's not going to happen. There's there's not enough time. The runway is closed. Um, that the, the open dates are, are, are gone. Some games can still be rescheduled, but not all of them will be. So it's a question of how many will not be rescheduled and which ones are they. Um, I think in the SEC in particular, Florida and in Bama, assuming they continue to do what they do, um will end up playing the same amount of games and I think there will be some equity there and then mm-hmm. they would play for the the league title and that will be a, a fair conference champion so I think that's going to happen but I think other games will get messed up um, along the way as they kind of prioritize that the, some of the there's but there's still unknowns I mean look college football we, we can we can look at what they've been doing to stop transmissions themselves and the travel and all that stuff but the fact is that the world, the, the country as a whole, is dealing with an enormous spike. And mm-hmm. you can't put the football players in a bubble and expect things to not happen, right? I mean, you, you can't put them in a bubble. And they are not immune to what's going on in the rest of society. So as the numbers go up elsewhere, just statistically speaking, a lot of averages, it's going to go up with football programs too. And mm-hmm. you know, as we speak right now, there have been 14 postponements for the week. I think by the time you all listen to this, there will probably have been more, and that we would probably be at a new record for the season. So it's just a matter of which ones and how can be rescheduled, and you know what happens if the Gators or Bama have an outbreak the week of the SEC title game. What happens if um, Ohio State's in the playoff and they have an outbreak just before, uh, you know, right around Christmas uh, before the playoff game? Th- these are some of the things that uh, you know. Right now, they're kind of hypotheticals. There are people who have been working on solutions and answers to these questions because in a couple weeks they might not be hypotheticals um i think the playoff is going to do everything it can to make sure that the games get played and if they really think ohio state is the best one of the best four they deserve to be in the playoff we'll figure out a way to play the game where and when and and make it work but there's going to be some flexibility just because there has to be because what's going on not just on the campuses but going on everywhere else
0: It'll be a fascinating finish as we uh, get closer to Thanksgiving uh, just uh, less than a week away or a week away as we do this podcast. Uh, from now, he's Matt Baker. He'll be at Clemson uh, or be at Florida State watching Clemson play Florida State and also read his story on Tom Allen and all the local ties, at the University of Indiana to the Tampa Bay area. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it.
1: You got it. Thanks, Rick.
0: My Thanks to Matt Baker. Hey, Sunday, for don't forget, I get, co- I get to watch college football, and then on Sunday I get to watch pro football because the Bucks play Monday night. But I'm going to be watching the Saints against the Falcons with Jameis Winston at quarterback for New Orleans. It's going to be really must-see TV. And then Monday on the podcast, we will preview the Bucks and the Rams on Monday night football, a good one there as well. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.